Hi everyone, I'm Aaron Green, head of SAP Success Factors across Asia Pacific and Japan, and welcome to the People People Unfiltered podcast. Every month, I'll sit down with extraordinary business leaders discussing all things people experience. Now, today's conversation is an incredibly important one and devastatingly one that's more timely than ever, and it's domestic violence. In New Zealand, pre-COVID-19, there was one of the highest rates of domestic violence in the developed world. Police respond to a family domestic violence incident every four minutes. Since COVID-19 struck, a combination of factors including job losses, financial hardship, isolation, working from home, and just cabin fever have contributed to a spike in family domestic violence incidents. This has resulted in a 20% increase in calls received by police and support services regarding family harm during lockdown. Our guest today is the head of people and culture at an organization that is committed to improving the well-being of its team members. As an individual, she is a fearless change agent who is tackling employee well-being holistically through initiatives aimed at domestic violence and mental health to ensure that employees are well supported. Now let me introduce Wendy Hammonds, the general manager of people and capability at Foodstuffs North Island in New Zealand. Wendy has an incredible amount of experience in the HR space, over 20 years, spanning industries like banking, telecommunications, and retail, with well-known and respected organizations like Westpac and Spark New Zealand. It's my privilege to welcome Wendy to People People Unfiltered. Hey, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of background about yourself and the incredible work that, uh, that you're doing at Foodstuffs North Island. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Wendy Hammonds. I'm the General Manager of People and Capability over at Foodstuffs North Island. Um, I've been here four and a half, coming up to five years. Um, I love it here. It's fantastic. It's quite different to places I've worked before. Um, so uh, my past is, you know, ICT, um, telecommunications, a little bit of banking, some manufacturing, those sorts of things. Um, and foodies is quite different. Obviously, um, we're, you know, a massive supermarket chain. We've got um, Pack and Save, New World, Gilmore's, Foursquare. Um, and I could say, oh, Liquorland. Don't forget Liquorland. <laughs> yeah, don't forget them. So we've got 300 and we're a cooperative. So we've got 350 owner operators and and two uh, 25,000 people work for those 350 owner operators. So co-op's quite different, right? It's um, a lot of people confuse it with a franchise. Mm. Um, but in a franchise, the parent company kind of owns the brand, whereas in a cooperative, actually all of the owners are also all of the shareholders um, of the brand. So collectively, it's a very collaborative relationship, and we all kind of work together and 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 own it together. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. For anybody in New Zealand or who's been to New Zealand, I, I think there are very few people for whom part of their weekly shop, at least, is not done at one of the foodstuffs brands. And uh, and and certainly, you know, I think that passion of having owner operators be on board for thirty or fifty plus years. I mean, that's that's a huge testament to the power of the brand, and and equally the impact that uh, those owner operators see they make in the communities that they serve. So it's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, so Wendy, I'm going to dive right in. You know, we're, we've got a pretty meaty topic today, um, and yeah. so so let's get right into it. Uh, so, so Wendy, research has shown that during periods of crisis, the risk of domestic violence really can escalate as perpetrators seek to maintain control and power over the people in their lives. So if we look at that and you couple it with the fact that about 25% of the world's population is right now under lockdown due to COVID-19 uh, and therefore unable to potentially escape their tormentors, 
I think there's a question. Number one, is domestic violence rising as a result? And, and number two, what is the role of HR around domestic violence and family domestic violence, especially right now as so many people are living and working at home? Yeah. Look, it's a scary fact, right? Uh, every 5.15 um, minutes, the police attend a domestic violence incident in New Zealand. Um, we have one of the, the, the worst rates of domestic violence um, in the developed world. It's, it's quite scary. Um, I don't think there's very many people in New Zealand that don't know somebody that's been affected by it or hasn't been affected by it themselves. When you consider that in New Zealand, one in every three women has been affected by domestic violence directly um, in all of its forms, right? Because you've got financial violence, sexual violence, um, physical violence, and the emotional and psychological. Um, so it's a very broad range. Um, and, you know, some people are in violent situations and may not realise that they're in violent situations. And I think the really interesting thing that you've talked about is that word reported, right? Mm. Because... Really, it's you know as you know as we talked about before, it's a lag measure, right? We we it is scary when you think about how many incidences occur that actually are never reported. When you consider how many are reported and the frequency with which the police are are dealing with us at the moment, and I think COVID's a really interesting thing and. We are seeing a rise in relationships breaking down and people exiting marriages uh, and those sorts of things. I think the thing that worries me through COVID is the uncertain uh, economic times mm. and and should it, are there people who are perhaps staying in a violent situation or an unhealthy situation, um, maybe because of the financial insecurity that exists and particularly if they've got dependents. Um, you know, living with them and those sorts of things, that financial insecurity in the world at the moment, how many un more unreported cases do we have? And do we really know what the situation is? So for that reason, I think it's critically important that we do have awareness of it. I think the role that HR plays is is very important. And I think the role that we can play is is making it a conversation that's okay to have, yeah. you know, you know, the, the stigma that still exists with it is is unreal. You know, the myths that are bound about who perpetrates domestic violence, about whether or not from particular communities or cultures or that um, perpetrators of violence are, um, you know, have ill health or have, you know, some sort of psychotic personality traits. You know, the reality is really normal people can do it or appearing really normal people can do it. Quite often, those people are seen as, you know, gregarious and highly sociable and, and those sorts of things. And the cues to understanding what it looks like are, are quite varied. Mm. Um, but there is consistency to those. And that's why we particularly partnered with Women's Refuge to understand um, how to recognise um, how to recognise it. How do, how do you recognise people who may be being abused in some way? and a victim of domestic violence, how might you recognise people who may be perpetrators of domestic violence? Because there are cues to those things. I, I think the challenge is that, the, you know, it's not a perfect, it's not it's not perfect. Yeah, you, you could be wrong, and that's a really tough conversation. Um, and it takes a lot of courage 
to actually ask people if they're okay. But hey, look, you know, that's a step in the right direction in and of itself, right? Yeah. Um, because not all domestic violence looks like bruises, you know? So yeah. that's making people aware, having a clear policy and a clear, clear framework about what's okay and how we support people if they wish to, you know, if they're brave enough to self-identify and ask for some help. And then how do we educate people leaders and what to look for and then what to do if um, if they see some concerning signs. So how do you start a conversation? Yep. And then once I've started the conversation, actually what do I do next with that and how do I refer them to the right people to help them? And then organisationally, what are we prepared to do and how are we prepared to step up to help those people? And what is, you know, you know, our weeks and months and years of braveness and courageousness um, to get them get themselves out of that situation. I think it's in, it, so much of what you've just brought up, Wendy, is is pretty incredible. I mean, I think most people would actually be rather surprised to hear that New Zealand, given you know it, just really the the socially advanced nature of of the country, uh, has such high rates of domestic violence. And I think you're ex you're exactly right that. The role of HR is to put some of the, the framework and the structure in place, but also to enable and teach, whether you're a people leader or an individual contributor, what those signs are and how to have that conversation. I mean, it's something that most organizations are trying to do with mental health. Uh, but the fact that you know, you've extended that into the, into the arena of family domestic violence is pretty incredible. I'd love to understand from you, you know, you've, you've touched on some of the partnerships that you have. Can you paint a picture for us of what foodstuffs kind of comprehensive approach is to, to family domestic violence because i know you're, you're doing a lot beyond just policy uh, and beyond just partnerships yeah. yeah we do look there was there were some fantastic organizations that led um you know in terms of provision of leave in this space a little earlier than we did we um launched our policy um and our approach on the 25th of november 2018 which was hmm. white, white ribbon day um, you said White Ribbon Day? Yeah, New Zealand White Ribbon Day. So we launched it on that. We then launched the People Leader Training in, in January 2019 um, to make sure that we had very strong socialisation, that people understood why this was a priority for us before we jumped in and, 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 um, and really educated our people leaders well because we wanted them to want to do this. Um, we wanted them to understand why it was so important to us uh, not to just do a sheep dip approach, but to really um, make it immersive and really make it make it count. Um, some of these things have subsequently become um, legislative in New Zealand, so there is now a requirement to provide um, leave and support around domestic violence. Our provision is a ten days paid. What we found was quite interesting, uh, and it's because before we had the policy. We had moments where we became aware that people were going through a domestic violence situation and we became aware of it for lots of reasons, right? Sometimes people actually came forward and talked to their people leader and then as a, a normal course of action around HR, the HR business partner would become involved and they would support that. Other times there was uh, um, an act of aggression perhaps um, that occurred on site or somebody came to site um, that had bruising on them that was visible and we became aware of it through that or even, you know, hospital and those sorts of things. Um, whenever those moments came up, we actually did use uh, leave. We, we, we gave them paid leave at the time. Um, we supported them with, you know, 
uh, different bank accounts and pay and all those sorts of things. But it wasn't formalised. It was just what it was just what we did. I think what we recognised was the challenge in that was that people didn't know where we stood and people didn't know proactively that that support and that help was available for them. So while it was fantastic that we did it, it was really, really important that on the 25th of November 2018, we put a very, very strong stake in the ground and said, this matters to us. What's happening in New Zealand is not okay. It's really not okay when it happens to our people. And so this is what we're going to do to support. So we offer the 10 days. Um, we then offer a bunch of short-term safety uh, measures. So, for example, um, we make sure that the perpetrator of violence can't contact that person at work. So if that means changing out their work phone or their work email, whatever it is, we do that. Mm. If they have a company car and that registration is known, we give them alternative to company car. In fact, there have even been the times where um, somebody has been at significant risk, we've actually replaced their personal car with a company car for a period of time wow. just to allow them to move house safely and to um, to reorganise their circumstances. Um, and I guess what I'm pointing out there is every situation is distinctly different. Um, some people want to uh, find a home, um, uh, provision that home in certain ways and then do what I would call a midnight flit. You know, they, they they just disappear one day during a working day when they're supposed to be at work. Other people just want to drop everything and run when there's a safe opportunity to do so. Um, every person's situation is really different. And so what we do is is work with um, our team member to understand what is it they want to do, what's the safest method for them to do that, and then how can we support that. And so we will vary our response accordingly. Mm. Um, but certainly we'll do things like turn the GPS off in their cell phone um, to make sure that they're not trackable. We'll have a security guard on site if it's needed. We'll provision a car park right next to um, an access door so that that person doesn't have to uh, walk too far to get to their park, car park. Um, if they're working odd hours of shift and things like that, we'll make sure that security guard is there to help them get to their car as well. We'll do it for as long as it takes for that person to be in a safe situation because we know that the first few weeks uh, and months of departure are the most dangerous of all. And so we make sure that we do bridge that gap and that we're working with um, subject matter experts such as Women's Refuge and um, and whomever else may be involved in the situation. Sometimes the police are involved to help guide us to what is the best best you know um, solution for this person. Flexibility in working hours. Um, do they want to work from home for a period of time? Right. Do they need additional time off? So some people want to take the ten days in one block. Other people want to take a day to go and sort out their bank account and find a flat, and then another day to do something else to shift themselves. So we're very, very flexible about how they use that time mm. and how we support them. I think the other thing that we've found um, that's been fantastic is we have a little trust in our business called the Foodies Foundation. Okay. And um, it doesn't matter whether you're an owner or you're an employee like me, we can all donate. We also have little fundraisers for it and all of those sorts of things. Um, the trust is there to support our people through hardship. So it doesn't matter whether or not it's, um, you know, a medical situation, a family violence situation, some sort of hardship, whatever it is. 
they can confidentially and anonymously, well, not anonymously, but they can confidentially apply to the Foodies Foundation for some financial support to enable them to do things like um, paying a bond, you know? If your domestic violence situation includes financial hardship where actually your um, your your money is not is being kept from you or you can't access it without somebody seeing it, having access to some money that you can that nobody else knows about. Yeah. Um, being able to have your pay diverted at a at a very specific date to a, another bank account once you've left. Those things all happening at the right time and being available to you and taking the um, the uncertainty away and making sure that you can create certainty for yourself and security for your family. They, those moments are really, really important. And I think that's so incredible, right? Because there's a huge amount of bravery that I'd imagine goes into somebody uh, discussing and trying to step out of a domestic violence situation. So it sounds to me like what what you're trying to do and what you've done quite successfully at, at Foodies is try and reduce any additional stress that would go into that person trying to exit uh, the violent relationship. And and I think that's really critical and really important to be able to do. And I'm curious to know, as you looked at you know deploying lead, people leader enablement and things like that, uh, if you were to do it all over again, what advice would you be giving to to a people leader who has an employee that has come forward quite bravely to talk about uh, domestic violence at home? Um, definitely seek advice from subject matter experts. Yeah. So, for example, um, Women's Refuge and, and organisations like it, um, because there are so many myths out there, you know, um, in, including, you know, including the one that, you know, um, there's just all sorts of crazy things that are said. You know, people should just remove themselves. Why wouldn't you just get out of that? Well, actually, there's lots of reasons and, and financial constraints if you've got dependents is a massive part of them. It's not that unless easy, you Exactly. Unless you're working with those subject matter experts, unfortunately, those of us who are privileged enough not, have got, not to have ever gone through something like that don't necessarily understand what's, what it's truly like. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the best people to seek advice from in terms of not only establishing your policy and making sure that it it, it will um, it will enable you through the, all the different permutations of the you know of, of somebody leaving and choosing to be brave and speaking out, um, but it will help you know it's not a one off you know it's not a sprint yeah. it's going to be a marathon and there are going to be a number of things that you need to do to support people all the way through that marathon. Um, but the you know the the the, the feel good factor for that person, you know, the life changing moment that that person has, the difference that you're making in a bunch of children's lives, mm. um, is all so incredible. But that marathon is entirely worth it, you know. And it's it's kind of I've always thought that these this issue and these kinds of issues are in the fabric of our society, and if and business has a part to play in helping to solution those those issues. Um, and we are so enabled to be able to do it, right? Because we've reached so many people. Um, so yeah, partnering with subject matter experts is really critical. Mm -hmm. um, putting your stake in the, the ground early and making sure that your people leaders and actually your HR people um, are up for the tough conversations, um, the enlightening conversations, um, to take their, any judginess that they might have completely off the table and be, be willing, ready and able to learn 
um, because every single one of these cases is going to be a learning moment. Yeah. Um, you, there is no sheet dip. It's not black and white. Um, the entire experience is always through the grey. Um, but you have a, an opportunity potentially because these situations can be quite dire to save lives. Yeah. Um, so taking it really seriously and and helping people through it is really important. And being mindful that the people that are going through these moments, um, it's hard. Like, you know, as you said before, they've got to be courageous. But there's also embarrassment. Um, there is um, there is anger that comes up. You know, there are so many emotions that they feel through that moment that just being the quiet, calm and being there for them as they go through all of those moments, um, applying counsellors to the situation um, in addition to refuge and those sorts of things, if you can, are all fantastic things to do. Um, and, and just making that conversation okay to be had, you know, helping to remove that stigma is really important. Yeah, it's it's almost that idea of helping people feel grounded in, you know, a time of great upheaval. And, and I think that that's where a strong people leader and a really strong people and culture team, uh, you know, they, they can provide that that safe grounding and that that kind of safe space for somebody to be able to to grow, go through uh, what is un, undoubtedly a significant period of turmoil and change in their homes and their lives. Absolutely. You know, so, so Wendy, it's obviously something that is quite topical for organizations and businesses today, but also if we look at New Zealand, I mean, there are two agencies, you know, Ministry of Social Development, MSD and Orangatamariki, both of whom, you know, I think the the topic of domestic violence falls pretty squarely in their remit, uh, mm-hmm. along with other social services agencies. But I'm curious, you know, if you were to look at what you've delivered at Foodstuffs, how would you say that, that complements the the work being done by some of the social service agencies? Look, I think the social services agencies have an incredibly tough time. Um, not only apart from those agencies, even the police, right, yeah. play it significant part in it because they see more of the lead indicators than we will ever see right so they they see stuff uh, all the stuff that isn't actually reported um look i think all of those agencies play a great part i think that they've played a really good part recently uh, in recent years of highlighting the issue of providing the statistics so that people can understand the extent of the issue within society i think that's really important um I think, look, you know, one can always criticise and say that people could do more and those sorts of things, but the reality is there are limited resources and these are the moments where, you know, business can step up and can support mm-hmm. um, and, and do more. And, at the you know, at the end of the day, we do have, we are better resourced in some ways. Um, we also have that direct connection to people. You know, they can pick up the pieces. Um, they're the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Right. Whereas... We have the moment to be the fence at the top of the cliff, or at least, you know, the 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 call for help, the opportunity to help further up before it, somebody ends up in hospital or ends up, um, you know, dead or something like that, yeah. right? That's often when they're involved. Um, and there's just so much that they can't see in that regard. You know, they do their very, very best with associations with hospitals and all those sorts of things to try and see things before they get to a dire situation um but really by the time they're involved often it's it's later than it than you would want it to be than any of us would want it to be no but it it sounds like that's you know there's both a a business and a social imperative 
in in stepping up and stepping into this in the way that that you're recommending. And I think it's I, I think you're spot on with it. So, Wendy, I suppose uh, one final question before we wrap up. Uh, you know, you've talked about one in three New Zealanders being exposed or touched uh, by family domestic violence in their lifetimes. And recent studies have come out that one in two New Zealanders will struggle with mental health in uh, in their lifetime as well. So, so I suppose, well, well, I suppose this is perhaps a naive question, but I think that there's often uh, the issue of family domestic violence and mental health can go hand in hand. Uh, you know, both for people surrounding the individual as well as for the individual themselves that are uh, that are victims of or, or survivors, I should say, of family domestic violence. Uh, yeah. And so I guess the question for me is, what's your view and what is Foodstuff's view on mental health at the workplace and how this either goes hand in hand with the same topic of domestic violence or if they really need to be separated as two different streams? No, they're definitely hand in hand, um, because what you know, as we have seen with with COVID around the world and the rise in things like domestic violence, um, you know, and mental health issues, um, we're in unprecedented times. We're in very uncertain times. Um, people are in a situation where, for many, they've got a little too much time on their hands, right? Yeah. And, and and that can be as dangerous as having too much to do. You know, that can be as stressful as having too much to do. Um, you know, some countries in the world, you know, like South Africa, have banned alcohol and those sorts of things and shut down with a view to trying and, you know, to, to attempting to inhibit um, some elements of violence and, um, and those sorts of things. Um, and other countries haven't. You know, everybody's trying to do the best that they can based upon what they know about their countries and their cultures and those sorts of things. I think the best analogy that I've heard is we're all weathering the same storm, but we're all in different boats. Yeah. And I think the harsh reality is that some people are actually on rafts um, or, or clinging to, to life buoys. They're not really in a proper boat. And their situation is dire for so many reasons. And I think that that does impact me mental health. And one can look at it and say when, when people are under stress, um, then the worst of their nature can come out much more strongly or much more frequently. Um, just as much as when the worst is happening to us, you know, some people rise to the top and amazing yeah. things are demonstrated. And we, you know, we see the angels of our society doing incredible things to help others and those sorts of things, right? So we do see, you know, either ends of the spectrum. In terms of our response to mental health, we have run repeated surveys on mental well-being with our people. Um, so we ask them how they're coping, uh, either working from home or if they're working in a store, um, their, you know, the, you know, the impact of financial situation because, you know, well, food might be a really safe place to work and groceries are a really safe place to work right now. People have other incomes in their households and actually their whole household income might be quite negatively affected. So somebody might have lost a job or, you know, there are a range of things that could happen. And we're not blind to that. So people can have stress in their household, even if they're feeling quite secure in their job with us. Um, so we ask a little bit more broadly about their family and their situation. Um, we do have an alert mechanism available with that where people can identify and not remain anonymous. And that has allowed us, because we have had instances of that, where we've been able to get people specific counselling support and those sorts of things. 
We've also been trialling apps like Clearhead and Mintania and those sorts of things um, that, that give people little techniques like breathing exercises and meditation um, and those sorts of things, but can also uh, point people in the direction of more formal formal assistance should they be um, uh, identifying signs of quite significant stress. Um, in addition to that, uh, during non-lockdown periods or when we're not in lockdown three or four, uh, which in New Zealand means you know pretty much most of us are at home, yeah. we've, we've started running an It's Okay Not To Be Okay session. And what we do through that is it's about a half hour, 45 minute session. Our head of safety runs it. She has a nursing background. Um, so she's she's qualified to be able to run something like that. And she talks through the identifiers of stress. So those can include things like um, poor sleep, mm. um, fluctuations in mood, you know, a variety of things, be they physical or, or emotional or whatever. Um, and she takes people through this experience with saying, you know, have you identified people going through this? You know, and you might be fully in the green. You know, you might be in a state where actually you love a good crisis. Um, you're, you're on fire. This is absolutely the kind of event that you thrive in and you're fine by and large. You know, you might, might have a little more work, yeah. but actually by and large you're okay. To light green, which is actually I'm okay. I've got good support mechanisms. My self-awareness is fine. I'm managing myself and my well-being okay and those around me. And then you get to your amber, which is actually some cracks are showing. I'm I'm coping some days. I'm not coping all days. Um, I sleep well sometimes. I don't sleep so well sometimes. Um, some days feel overwhelming to me. Other others are okay. But you're in that amber, and some days can be quite bad, and other days can you can be just okay. Um, do you recognise what space you're in? And then you're in the red zone. And when you're in the red zone, your sleep is quite consistently disturbed. Um, your emotional fluctuations are quite strong. Um, you're either, you know, you could be broadcasting to, to all and sundry, or actually you could be isolating yourself. Right. There are different cues for different people, but what she does is highlight and she encourages people to have a discussion with a small group of people and self-identify. Where are you? And, and sharing, you know, in as much as a, an individual might wish to share. And it really opens up the conversation of... Um, Here's where I am. Actually, now that I think about it, such and such in my team, I'm really worried about them because I've they've, they've talked about this or I've observed some things. Actually, I'm going to ask them if they're okay because the whole com- point of the conversation is just start by asking people if you're okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty powerful, right? Those three yeah. words, are you okay? Yeah, and the really important thing that comes after those three words is shut up and let them talk. Exactly right. So you really only need to know three words. Are you okay? And then you just need to put on your listening ears. Yeah. 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 And funnily enough, some people will sit there and just look at you a little bit like a deer in the headlights. Mm. And then actually they realize if you've left that silence for long enough, they'll recognize that you actually really mean it and they'll talk to you. Whereas if you go, okay, well, that's good. And you kind of move on or, you know, somebody says, I'm fine. Well, cool. What does fine mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, t- you know, unpicking it a little without 
breaching somebody's right to privacy and 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 you know the natural reserve nature that comes with some people yeah but but that's why allowing that space that moment for people to respond and letting them know by your silence that you are waiting for a real answer and you're looking right at them it allows people to have a genuine conversation so you know recognizing what's going on um, being able to have a, even a mild conversation about it and then knowing how to refer people on. So we use counsellors and those sorts of things and we refer people on. We've educated all our people leaders in this. Um, so we've particularly asked them to reach out to every individual one-on-one. We ask them to do that monthly anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, most people have moved to a weekly or fortnightly frequency. Um, and we say, hey, don't just check up on the work and, um, you know, don't just, you know, have your team drinks, all that stuff's really good, but actually have a meaningful conversation and be a little bit aware of what's going on around people as well. Yeah, exactly. Because um, that can be kind of telling too. Um, so, you know, if there's lots of people going around and, you know, somebody shows up with a black eye, you actually don't know who else is listening to that Zoom call. So, you know, be careful what you ask them, but you might want to ring them back on their mobile a little bit later and maybe check, check on them at that point in time, particularly if you know their partners at work. And then maybe you'll just find out that their three-year-old hit them in a tantrum. I don't know. Exactly. But at least you've demonstrated that you care and you've asked and it's okay to have a conversation. And you're taking that first step. And yeah. Wendy, I, I think, you know, for so many people who, who are listening to this, uh, taking that first step is the really critical piece. And, you know, making sure that, that we are putting a spotlight on the topics of domestic violence, of mental health, and and really helping to bring those things out of the shadows and to the forefront uh, is the way that we impact great societal and social change for the better. And uh, kudos to you and the incredible work that you and your team are doing at Foodstuffs North Island on this topic. Uh, you are impacting, as you said, 25,000 people uh, directly and countless others in the community and 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 truly just a huge kudos and a thank you to you and to you pardon me to you and your team thank you look it's a very much a privilege to not only have the role that i have and be able to um make an impact um but to work for an organization and particularly a ceo and chris who Mm. really cares about people and really cares about these kinds of topics um and totally backs us to make um, these kinds of, of changes and implement these kinds of solutions. Um, so, yeah, it's very much a privilege on my part. Well, Wendy, thank you so much. I, I have learned a tremendous amount in this conversation and some really practical things that I can take back into my day job and some practical things that I can take back to our organization as well. So thank you for joining us. Uh, to everybody who's tuned in, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Okay, thanks.